Welcome to Capital P and People Work. I'm your host, Gabby Lubin, and I'm a three-time burnt-out professional. I say that because it's my mission in life to co-create a world where burnout is the exception, not the norm. That's why I've brought you a full season on Capital P of episodes that center on workplace wellness. Together, we'll dive into what it means to really walk the walk of wellness in the workplace. Join me in chatting with people leaders, wellness CEOs, and workplace wellness providers to learn about all that there is in workplace wellness. Let's dig into the topic for today. Today, I'm joined by Brent Franson, who is the CEO and founder of Most Days. He is a serial entrepreneur, and his interest in entrepreneurial endeavors began in high school when he founded a full-service search technology marketing agency. After moving to Palo Alto in 2005, Brent was on the founding team of Reputation.com, the worldwide leader in online reputation management. Reputation.com was named a technology pioneer by the World Economic Forum and was backed by Kleiner Perkins, Bessemer Venture Partners, and August Capital. Most recently, Brent was the CEO of Euclid Analytics, a leader in retail data and analytics backed by Benchmark Capital, NEA, Harrison Metal, and Group Arnold. Under his leadership, Euclid was acquired by WeWork in 2019. Brent has been named a LinkedIn top voice and has regularly contributed to Forbes, LinkedIn, Inc., Entrepreneur, and other publications. Brent is also a father and an athlete who enjoys his routine reading, running, skiing, skydiving, very cool, and anything that involves pushing his own boundaries. Brent, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks. Excited to be here. Amazing. Well, I will have to ask at some point about skydiving um, because that is a curiosity. So we'll dig back into that later. But, you know, we heard a lot about your incredible accomplishments, even starting from high school. So exciting. Um, But we want to know, who are you as a human? Yeah, I love this question. So we have at most days, we have these things called connection sessions, which are like people get come together and talk about what they're going through and what they're what they're struggling with. I won't go too deep there um, yet, but the question we ask, we go around the room and we say, and we ask people to, to talk about like, um, who, who they are and not what they do. So I love this question. Mm-hmm. And the way that I answer it is like, first and foremost, I'm a father. I have, um, two daughters and another child on the way. I yes. am a spouse, um, uh, you know, to my wife and then, um, you know, I'm a son and I'm, I'm a brother. I'm the oldest of four, but I think w- one thing that I'm trying to do more of is like, I'm also like selfish. I'm, I'm somebody who's like a friend to myself. I think it's so easy to not take care of ourselves. And so I'm trying to be, I'm not like the greatest friend to myself other, but I'm, I'm trying to be a really good, I'm just trying to be good to myself. Mm, I really like uh, your phrasing in that a friend to yourself. I don't, I don't think I've heard that before, but you know, we always say, Hey, would you actually take the advice that you give to your friends? <laughs> Uh, most of the time that is a no. So I think that's a really awesome way of like kind of putting that as a, a mantra uh, <laughs> in your work. That's beautiful. Well, I, you know, the reason I try to, I'm, I've been focusing on it is I can't, if I'm not taking care of myself, I don't show up. I'm not the father that I can be. I'm not the spouse that I can be. I'm not the founder that I can be. And so it really starts with like having a good foundation and putting on your own face mask before you put on the face mask of the people around you. Um, It's easier said than done. 
Uh, so it's aspirational. Yeah, aspirational for sure. But as long as you, I think, have that as the foundation of how you want to move about your day and your life, there are so many ways that you can do that in small ways, which I know we're going to be talking more about soon. Um but I think that's fantastic because, you know, this, the season we're interviewing and talking with lots of different people in the wellness space specifically. And it's interesting because many of us got to this position because we burned out or experienced a lot of stress or, you know, had some impactful moment that made us realize that we needed to dig into this more. So, um, it's really cool to hear other wellness leaders who are saying, hey, no, this is important. I'm going to put it at the forefront of my work and make sure it is a part of the everyday living and breathing of my soul. And then ideally the everyday living, breathing of the company and products that I'm creating. Yeah. So um, I, I'm excited to get into it. I want to ask one more question before we do that. What is your capital P word right now? How are you thinking about people work? Well, I mean, the capital P word, then it literally is a pronoun that comes up for me is people tech partners. So we are at the end of uh, a program with people tech partners, which is effectively um, it, there's, a, I think there's three or four companies each quarter that go through the program and they get exposed to a whole bunch of people leaders. And we are just completing that. So most days, has a um, a fairly nice direct to consumer business, and then we've been getting more outreach um, from the from kind of the people leader community, and so we went through this program, and so I've just been amazed at how amazing uh, all of the people leaders are, and so my capital P word is people tech partners. It's been a fun program to go through, and it's been great to meet everybody. That's fantastic. And that's how we got connected. So yay, people tech partners. I um, I know one person who's given me uh, more access to more folks in that community and they're just phenomenal. So people in the people space, if we just keep using P words here and buzzwords, um, are phenomenal and um, they're worthwhile getting to know. So um, I appreciate hearing that. Um, so you are a founder, a multi-founder at this point. This kind of company that you have built most days is a very different company from the other ones that you've created. So talk to us, what um, what was the catalyst to getting you to this point of building something that helps people build habits? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a long and per it's a personal, I mean, it's a very, the business is very personal to me. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the quick background. I, um, I, Grew up here. I'm in Boulder, Colorado now, and I grew up here, the oldest of four. And I had a fairly idyllic middle class upbringing. Um, and then when I just entered high school, um, basically like addiction kind of started um, taking over in terms of my family and the people around me. And I spent basically 15 years on the front lines of addiction. I went to rehab myself in my early twenties and the people around me, there was a lot of family weeks at rehab and interventions and like everything that you can imagine when you're on the front lines of addiction. Um, and I'm, I'm now around a lot of recovery from addiction, which is great. And my, my story is not unique, but what happens is when you spend so much time, you know, addiction, they are behavioral diseases. So the negative consequences of addiction are in, you know, they, they're incurred from just repeating the same behavior over and over again, the wrong behavior, behavior that's not good for you. And then the way out of that, and I'm way oversimplifying, 
is to stop doing that thing and start doing a different set of things. And so the importance of the things you are doing or not doing most days is like imprinted on my soul because it really had this, it had a really negative, um, you know, people and myself doing the wrong things most days had a really negative impact on my life from my formative years. Um, like I was most likely to succeed in eighth grade and then I got kicked out of high school twice, you know? And so like my trajectory, like really changed in a way that was just not fun or good for me. Um, and then in my early thirties, so, you know, now, now about a decade ago, um, I was a stressed out tech CEO who was fine nine to five. Like, it's kind of like your question about like, oh, the, bi the bio is fine, but who are you really? And at that time, who I was really was somebody who wasn't healthy, wasn't happy, wasn't sleeping well, was just like a shell of a person. And for a whole bunch of different reasons. And I had gotten on, um, I was taking a benzodiazepine for the anxiety. So I was taking Klonopin, which like the, mo the most commonly known benzo is, is uh, Xanax. And benzos are really hard to quit. So I was like, okay, I'm feeling better. I got through this stressful period. Let's get off of these things. And it was really difficult for me to do to stop taking those. I, I wasn't sleeping. I lost a bunch of weight. And um, this was when I really realized that, like our healthcare system isn't really set up to help me. So I went to my doctor and was like, what do I do? And he was like, I don't know, just stop taking it slowly. And the way that I ended up getting off of that was through this thing called the Ashton manual, which is a pharmacologist in the UK who ran a benzo withdrawal clinic. But basically I found like a PDF on the internet that was like, okay, you, you reduce the Klonopin at this rate and you actually introduce volume and then you're off the Klonopin, but you're on volume and then you come off the volume, whatever this like, whole like schedule and at that time, I started because of that, and I was successful in doing that, um, I started paying really close attention to what I was doing or not doing most days. So I created this crazy Google sheet that had like this whole schedule for getting off these pencils. But I knew I'm like, I need to be meditating. I need to be exercising more. I need to be eating better. Like all of the things I knew, like if I do these things most days, I am like, I'm a happy person. I can like tolerate the days and like life is good. And I started tracking everything. And that system combined with everything that I learned about addiction, just being just, just being so close to it personally um, has been hugely transformative for my life. And so I started most days a couple of years ago, but I've wanted to start it for about a decade. Um, so it's really personal. It's one of those things where it's like, I mean, most days is a platform to help people change their behavior to improve the quality of their life. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm like that cheesy guy who's like, I'm not only the founder, I'm like the number one customer <laughs> kind of thing. And so that's a long windup, but it's really personal to me. And um, I use it every day and it's been really important for my life. That's a really beautiful origin story. And I, I feel... I feel the emotion coming out of the screen from you. I'm sure our listeners can too. It's um, like a beautiful experience to be able to build something that one helps you, but then also allows that to, to spread to more people. And um, as a wellness founder myself, like I've a hundred percent been there. I built my company because I experienced burnout and and did so in some really challenging times. Um, 
And then as a founder, experience it again, because that's just what happens as exactly what you were sharing with your founder story. So um, that's just really um, heartwarming to hear because um, we don't all come out of these challenging experiences, <laughs> founding businesses and and finding success there, but it it is possible. <laughs> um, I think I, I really, uh, I was curious about the, the name of the company and, and you put it into some really good context there most days. Um, I know I've had a lot of clients and I've worked mostly on the fitness side um, and moved more into that holistic health side, um, but they had a really hard time deciding how to create these habits because for them, it was an all or nothing thing. It was perfectionist mentality. It was have to do it every day for 45 minutes or it doesn't count. And the reality is it isn't about finding the completeness of, of these habits or experiences or meditating all the time. It's about doing it enough that it actually helps and supports you. Um, so talk to me a little bit more, like, did I, he, did I read the, the, the name of the company, right? Or was there more that you want to add to that? No, you named it right. I mean, if you, for somebody who's focusing on changing their habits, so you want to stop doing something or you want to start doing something, the path of perfectionism is just a recipe for failure. Um, and so that's very common. It's like, hey, it's January 1. Okay, now I'm going to go to the gym five days a week for an hour. And I'm going to alternate like cardio and strength. And like, I'm just going to start doing it on January 1st. And I'm going to keep doing it. And that's just not the way that change happens. And so, and luckily the science supports this. So you need to enter... Like if you have a goal to change something, enter it with a fair amount of self-compassion and look at like, what is this? How do I get consistency over intensity? Like if I want to go from not working out at all to working out, like put your shoes by the door, walk around the block, count it, like high five yourself for it. And if you're doing that consistently, if you get to a place where you're doing that most days, one block's going to turn into two blocks, going to turn into three blocks. So it's no coincidence that like the big habit books are all about small habits. Like there's a, you know, I think a lot of us know this book, Atomic Habits, right? It's by a guy named James Clear. Okay. The name is Atomic Habits. That followed this book by BJ Fogg, who's at Stanford called that, that book is called Tiny Habits, you know? And so all of the science around behavior change and habits um, supports this, this notion that a self-compassion is really important. Like we see these themes in addiction, tomorrow's a new day, progress, not perfection. These are things you would hear if you went into like an AA meeting, but they're, they're relevant for everybody. And then breaking off a small piece and then slowly adding more over time. And then on the days when you don't get it done, like, okay, that's fine. I ate a bunch of cake today. All right. Like, don't beat yourself up. Tomorrow's a new day. Try not to eat the cake tomorrow. And that is actually the most um, uh, successful way to adopt habits. So it's a, it's a journey without a destination. You want to play the long game, right? It's like, Hey, how often am I working out a year from now? If I'm trying to start today, like what is the path to, you know, month 13 being in a good place as opposed to like, how's January going to be great or February is going to be great. 
I think the key to what y'all have uh, built is this fact that it's really hard to even start with those tiny things, those tiny changes, and also to give yourself positive reinforcement for doing the small things as well. Um, some people are really good at that. I somehow, I don't know how I did this, but I put my mind to it. August 1st, I was like, I'm going to start drinking matcha and I'm going to be done with coffee. My husband did not think I could do it. I did it. Don't know how it happened, but it happened. Right. Um, you know, there are other behaviors like me getting off my phone, scrolling in the morning for 20 minutes that it took me a much longer time to actually, you know, start to make those changes. So it's, I think it's really, really powerful to have another thing help hold you accountable. So do you mind sharing with us a little bit more about like, how does that work and look like on most days, the accountability component? Yeah. So think about behavior change. And this is the way that, that most days is structured as well. And, and there's two distinct pieces. There's one identifying the set of changes that you want to make. So on most days, that's just a set of habits. It's a set of things that I want to do or not do most days. That tends to be the pretty easy part. Like that's the new year's resolution list. We've obviously got a whole bunch of like, we've made it fancy in terms of incorporating a bunch of habits from psychologists and neuroscientists, et cetera. But like the knowing what to do tends to be this fairly straightforward piece. The second is having the tools to act to successfully adopt the change. And that's where we that's where we fall so short. So we've got a healthcare system where our healthcare providers primarily make money off of pills, procedures, and appointments. And so they're not really, they're just not economically incentivized to help us make change. They want to help us make change, but like they're, they're best, you know, the kind of the arrows in their quiver tend to be like, well, I can cut you or I can give you some pills or like, I can talk to you. Um, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's fine. And so we tend to be on our own. And for New Year's resolutions, we tend to miss this, like, what is the system for adopting the change part? And we just don't have any like big institutions that are good at giving us these systems. And so on most days, what that looks like is there's a whole bunch of science from cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, the, the frameworks for behavior change that we see and are proven to work in recovery from addiction. And you can incorporate a bunch of those into your own system or, or we've, we've incorporated those in most days. So to answer your question specifically about accountability, on most days, you can invite or be matched with an accountability partner. So the science of accountability is really clear. Like if you want to run a marathon, like find a group of other people who are running the same marathon and like join the training group. Um, I'm, I use exercise as an example a lot, but you, know, you can kind of swap in anything. You want to learn how to meditate, like go to your local meditation center. And so, um, but the science of accountability is really clear. We see the analog in recovery from addiction and the sponsor relationship, but like having somebody else who's on the journey with you, who you have to share, Hey, did you get it done? Or did you not get it done is important. So we can match you with somebody else in the most days community, or you can like, Hey, I want to invite um, Gabby and, and for her to be my accountability partner. There's a second layer of accountability, which is the community layer. So on most days, you are able, you mark your habits as yes or not today each day. And then your yes responses, because we just celebrate the wins and we don't beat ourselves up for the failures, can be shared with a community of other people who are working on the same thing. So, and you can get this in a bunch of different ways, but like 
realizing that like whatever the ups and downs of your journey are, that those are normal. Other people on the same journey are experiencing the same ups and downs. You're trading information like that is important and it's helpful. So it's a little bit tangential to like the direct accountability of like an accountability partner, but it does give you some of that mirror. And then there's the third piece I think that gets underestimated is how do you create systems where you have accountability to yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, how are you reminding yourself of the change that you want to bring, et cetera. And so one of the other things that's important as part of a behavior change process is like identifying, like, what are your core values and kind of using those core values to drive your behavior, really being like thoughtful in the way um, that you set goals and the way that you measure progress over time. So I could kind of go on and on about a bunch of the, um, of the kind of tips that and tools you can use in these systems for change. But you don't, the, the the primary takeaway is like identifying the things is easy. Make sure whether it's homegrown or whether it's with a most days or somewhere else that you have a system that you're applying to that set of changes that you want to make. And there's a whole bunch of science on like how successful change happens. So it's not, um, you know, it's not impossible. Like change does happen all the time. So I don't know if you know this, but I have a master's in behavior change and adult development. So like I, my senses are all tingling and I'm just loving this conversation. So (laughs) yay. Um, And I think you're not giving yourself uh, enough credit for yes, the, the buddy and the community component and the accountability to self are really important, but to be honest, like what you just said, people don't have a system that they know that works um, scientifically, or just like a system that they can plug and chug into essentially, um, to help them repeat and repeat and make more behavior changes and and choose to be healthier. Um, so just literally having the app as like, Hey, remember you said you would do this thing. Um, like I'm sure is huge, but of course it goes much further beyond that because you've created something that is not basic. We'll say. (laughs) Yeah. You want to like, I think, I think people underestimate the importance of just even reminding yourself of the change that you want to make. I mean, the thing that's been most important to me is, and this, this used to happen through my spreadsheet. And now of course it happens in most days is like each day I go through a set of, I'm a bit of like a freak when it comes to this stuff. It's about 40 different habits. And I just mark them as yes or not today. And just the simple fact of like reminding myself of the change that I want to bring to my life, a, a very short moment of like, why did I, or did I not do that thing today makes it a little bit more likely that I do it the next day. So it doesn't need to be this big complicated system. Like there's a lot of value in just reminding yourself. And when you bring an attitude of self-compassion and like, it's okay if I didn't complete my habits, then you don't go into that, like, that loop of like, oh, I didn't do the habit. And then you feel bad about it. And so the next night you're like denial. You don't want to look in the list because at the list, because you'd rather just lie to yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and like not confront it when it's like, oh, it's totally fine if you did it or you didn't like review your things. That's kind of part of what you do. It makes it more likely that you adopt those changes um, over time. And so, yeah, it doesn't need to be something really complicated. But it's hard to get to that. I think a lot of people get stuck in the beating up of themselves. Um, We've all been there. All of us have done that in some way, shape, or form. So this is really like a magic experience for people to be able to unlock this. So let's kind of shift gears away from um, the actual product. I think we're all 
an agreement that it's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I don't now, mean to be I don't mean to be too, too self promotional here. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly passionate about this, but yes, let's uh, let's keep going. You're not being too self-promotional. We're getting nerdy about the science behind it and it is the best thing. Plus like what I just said, people, this is something that people are looking to do in all parts of their lives. And it's, it's really hard. It's very challenging. And there's not been a solution out there to help us do that. So what kinds of um, benefits do you see of a technology like this being embedded for, let's say an individual employee in the workplace, not talking about the entire workplace yet? Yeah, I mean, I could, um, we could talk about this in, in a few different ways. I think, you know, I think we all know this personally, um, but it's a question of like, how does, how does the company think about their role in it? But what is clear is that when we are taking care of ourselves, we are better performers when we are, you know, everybody knows you like show up to work a little hungover or a really bad night's sleep, or like you're going through a breakup or whatever, like insert life situation that's gonna really mess with the basics of your self-care. And we all have we all know those days of showing up at work and like staring at the screen or just not really being there or wanting to get the project done and feeling like, oh, that project didn't come out well. I just kind of didn't have it in me. Um, in that moment. And so, you know, when we, when we look at, if we want to stick to the individual level, when we look at individuals who really think about self-care as it relates to their work, they tend to be like athletes where that connection is really obvious. You know, if LeBron James were in this conversation as well, he would go really deep on like, oh, I take sleep really seriously in these ways. I take my nutrition really seriously in these ways. I take all of my self-care that's happening when I'm not on the court at mm -hmm. practice doing my job really importantly because it affects me when I'm there. And just because his occupation is physical in nature, he's running down the court, that actually it, it's the same thing for a knowledge worker. Like even if we're not like running up and down the court all day, the impact of self-care on how we are cognitively, our ability to persist, the way in which we interact with other people is really obvious. And so if you want to be the best that you can possibly be in your role, like paying attention to the things you're doing or, or not doing most days, like it really matters. Like if we have a parallel universe where you're just doing everything right. And I hesitate to say that because the goal is not perfection, but like if we're just baking you off against somebody who's like taking that LeBron James approach to their self-care, like you're just going to perform better. Like the quality of the projects is going to be better. The quality of the communication, the quality of the relationships, like the amount of things that you get done, like all of those things is just going to happen at like a higher quality and happen at a faster rate. And so as we think about ourselves specifically in terms of like, what value am I adding in my job? Self-care matters and the science supports it. Yeah. I mean, uh, think back to the last time you got an amazing night's sleep and how productive or just energized and like present you felt the next day. Um, it is so, so powerful. And I'm really glad that you brought up LeBron James in this conversation, of course, um, because it is kind of new that we're optimizing even, and I hate saying this because, you know, athletes are not a commodity, but sometimes they're treated as such, but we are now much more so than even, 
I don't know, maybe 10 years, I don't know, five years, five years seems a little bit too short, but like 10 years ago, optimizing every experience that that athlete is having. And we as a human have the opportunity to do that, assuming that we have access to the right resources, of course, um, which not all of us do. Um, but it also makes me think about how exhausting it is to do this by yourself. Like I'm, I'm on a journey right now of like figuring out how can I have more clean, healthy ingredients that I consume and, or as, you know, um, beauty products or, you know, whatever you do in the bathroom. So it's really hard to sit down and to research every single one and it gets exhausting at some point. So then you just go back to whatever feels like the norm and, and the routine, um, yeah, I guess I'm just blabbing on there about these things, but it's, it's interesting to realize how all of this kind of, um, works together. Well, I think it goes back to the importance of, I mean, there, there's this whole theme, like when you look across behavior change broadly of like the importance of community. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, you can look at this anywhere. There's the long running study at Harvard, the study of adult human development, like JFK was in, it's like 80 year plus running study, but like the number one factor associated with living a long life is like basically community, like how much interaction do you have with other people? And so community is an important part of like whatever the system that, that we build for ourselves is, but LeBron James is uh, unique because he has the nutritionist and he's got the team and the coach and the trainer. And like, he's surrounded by all of these people who are like doing that for him. Like LeBron James isn't figuring out really like what to eat for his next meal. Like somebody's thinking about that and putting it in front of him and then taking his feedback and like modifying it over time. And I, I always think about that as like the, like if we were all Oprah, it'd be great. Like in a perfect world, <laughs> we would all have all of those people Right. And that would be great, but we live in this imperfect world. And so it's a question of like, how do you build those systems when you're not in a position to like, just surround yourself with all the amazing professionals that, you know, that LeBron or Oprah can. But I think that brings us into thinking about the workplace really beautifully now, because in some ways having your work starting to set you up with really effective, um, resources or supports or behaviors even um, with how the culture kind of interacts helps you have that Oprah experience. And I think some companies are doing that in, in some ways. Look at, um, and I don't know if this is, I mean, sorry, I know this is imperfect. It is definitely not perfect. Look at Google, for example, and all of the perks that we hear about. It does not mean that every single person in that um workplace actually is a healthy, happy, well-functioning human, but theoretically they have a lot of resources at their fingertips to be able to do that work. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, the way that I think about the workplace is in a, in a couple of different in a couple of different ways. One is like the culture of well-being. So there's this old adage that like you basically are the average of like your five closest friends. And, you know, so like the people you surround yourself with really matter. And for a whole bunch of reasons, like when we're working and we're no longer in college, like it's harder to make new friends. Like the primary set of social interactions a lot of us tend to have is with the people that we work with. And so if you just have like that cultural ethos of like well-being and like taking care of yourself it's just more likely to kind of to find its way in in some shape or form to the people in the organization so there is that like 
hey, the leadership living it and like creating that culture. And then um, there's a second piece, which is like, hey, how are you making sure that you are, um, you know, surrounding people with the tools um, that they need to take care of themselves? And I think we've done a really good job over the last few years of bringing in access to therapists. Like, I think that's something if we're looking at this kind of five year time frame, where I think we've done a good job of saying, hey, not only is it like okay to talk to a therapist, but we as the company are like subsidizing some number of visits with a therapist. I think we've made progress there. I think therapy has oversold itself um, in terms of like this silver bullet and it's the end all be all solution to like all mental health issues. And I'm the <laughs> son of a therapist and I'm happy to speak more about that. But yeah, I think it's like, how do you create that culture? And part of that culture is like, what are the resources that you're surrounding? Like, how are you actually investing in the culture that you want to create? You know, walking the walk, um, uh, both in terms of how you interact yourself, but also in terms of like the investment that the company is making. And, you know, Google's made done a bunch for a whole bunch of different reasons, but I agree they've done a good job here. You know, Meta has... Um, as well. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the stuff and it matters for performance, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just a like, feel good, like do, do the right thing. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious to hear, you know, you're a young company, it's a small company. How have you started to kind of operationalize this in your workplace? Oh, I mean, I mean, we basically just live and breathe. Like it's really like most days starts as a mindset, which is, Hey, every day, like I'm starting the day, trying to be a little bit better than I was yesterday. And whether or not that's the case, like I'm going to try to do that tomorrow. And so the beautiful thing about this kind of company is you attract people to the company who like are really seeking that. Like I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I was really in place. Where I'm like, I know the things that like, I do these things and I can figure out how to do them most days. I'm just going to be a lot like moment to moment happier. And so at the company, we're very much like we drink the Kool-Aid, like we're here because we believe, but I think that also makes it easy. You know, like the, what we're doing, the work we're doing every day, if we want to be empathetic, we don't use the term users to our members then like we need to be using the product and we need to be taking care of ourselves. And so I think that's a lot easier than operationalizing, um, you know, a culture of wellness and self-care. If I'm like, at my last company was B2B SaaS and we were like, we were basically a, a, a data set that retailers were using to understand what was happening in their stores. Like creating that culture is a lot, is a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to point out. Um, it's easier to do these things in a company that has values that they started with um, that are aligned um, to people's well-being, to their humanness, to most days. Um, and it's challenging to like break apart and, and try to shift cultures that haven't had that in their foundation. So yeah. Mm. So um, last question, as we kind of near the end of our conversation here, 
because it's the future of work kind of minded podcast, where do you see either most days building into the future of work or where do you see habits changing as we dive further into the future of work? Um, I mean, I think that as like, I, I think that we've seen this. So a, we've got this cultural, just broadly, we've got, um, the trajectory of self-care and its important co- importance culturally has only increased. Like, you know, we smoke fewer cigarettes than we, than we did before. Like we care more about sleep. We care more about what we eat, et cetera. And so like the macro trend is positive. Um, and so I think that continues to happen either way, um, uh, you know, independent of what happens in the workplace. I think in the workplace, we're going to be more and more cognizant of like, hey, the health of the employees matters. It impacts their performance. And like, how can we optimize that? I mean, we're seeing that with giving access to coaches. We're seeing that like in a whole bunch of different ways. And so I think that trajectory um, continues. You know, I wonder when it happens in the workplace. I I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that we're a little bit on our own in these wellness journeys. And this is where I'm coming back to like, I think therapy kind of oversells itself. Like psychologists, therapists are amazing. And like, I'm the son of a therapist and like, I've spent a lot of time in therapy myself, but they fall into the bucket that like my doctor does, which is it's a very limited amount of time at best once a week. That time is spent like primarily, you know, in the case of a therapist, just talking to me. And that's an important part of the process. But like the real work happens between visits, you know, like the real work. If I go to my doctor and I'm like, I've got a bunch of anxiety and my doctor gives me some Xanax that's addressing the symptom. It's not addressing the underlying cause, like the way out of the suffering from anxiety is like, I got to leave that doctor's office and like, go do the work to, to address the anxiety at the underlying cause. And so, you know, I think what we found as we've, we've spent a bunch of time talking to people leaders is I think we're in the early stages of recognizing Therapy is a really great option for a specific set of use cases or specific set of people who want to take, like there's a whole bunch of people who need therapy and like are unwilling to use it, even though it would be, would be best for them. Like, how do we think about providing them with resources that address these underlying like self-care issues or self-care opportunities in alternative ways. And I think we're seeing that culturally. I mean, I think we're really like, we're kind of understanding like what are doctors good at and what are they not good at? Um, that's particularly true, I think, with with physical health in a bunch of cases. And so I think we're seeing the same thing on the workplace. So I'll just end it by saying, I think understanding that like self-care impacts performance. How do we help people take care of themselves so they can like bring their best self to the job that they're doing? The like, you know, the NBA is ahead here, but I think other, you know, I think um, employers are going to catch up as well. And then understanding like, what is the role of the solutions we have today? And then like, where are their gaps? Cause there are still a whole bunch of gaps. Mm. Mm. Well, I am motivated to go give it a try. So I hope folks are as well. Um, if people are interested in learning more about most days and, or about you, where can they find it? And you- Oh yeah. We're just most days.com. I don't know. Email me. I'm Brent at most days. <laughs> All right. You heard it first. Just give him an email. 
Um, Brian, it's been so great chatting with you about this. I really appreciate it and have been, have a really good time, um, digging into behavior. So appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I swear I learned so much from each and every episode on capital P. If there is something that you are taking away from this episode, we encourage you to share it on social media, particularly our main channel on LinkedIn. Tag us, tag our guests. As always, thank you so much for listening, fam. We'll catch you next time to talk wellness in the workplace with other visionaries. You can find Capital P Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with a brand new episode. Make sure to follow us and share with your favorite people people. See you next time. Mm-hmm.